0: If you would please open your Bibles with me to the book of the Psalms. Today we'll be looking at Psalm 142. 142. Notice we read in verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Beloved, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my refuge. I pray you can say that in your heart before God this morning. And not only this morning, but evermore. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my portion, my inheritance. And notice it says, in the land of the living. And my friend, the only ones who are in the living, indeed living in this land, are those who have Christ as their refuge and portion. Our Lord said, This is life eternal, that they might know Thee the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. We read in Isaiah 45, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Beloved, by God's grace, we've been turned to look to God. You see, He's the one who's turned us. We didn't turn ourselves to look. We didn't stir up ourselves. Oh, no, rather, he turned us to himself. And in turning us to himself, we've turned from our idols to the true and living God. What a miracle, beloved. We've been turned from idols to the true and living God. You see, there's no living in the land of the living, save those souls who are living, looking, trusting, and believing the gospel of God's grace, In His Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, it says here in Psalm 142, a prayer of David. A prayer of David when he was in exile, when he was running from those who at one time were very dear friends. His own father-in-law hunted him down like a game bird. He said, I feel like a hunted partridge. Once again, we're going to look at another prayer of David this morning when he's on the run from those who were one one time uh, close family. I mean, even his own son turned on him. But what a blessing the Lord has given us to see, to read, and to hear the words of the heart cry and prayer of other believers. I love reading the prayers of others who are believers, who have had that work of God's grace worked upon their heart, of how they do cry out unto the Lord. I love reading the prayers of our brethren recorded for us in the Word of God. I mean it serves as an encouragement to me and I trust so to to you as well beloved to you who believe indeed it is an encouragement to all his people I mean we can relate to the heart cry of our brother unto the lord in this portion can we not because at one time or another we all have had the same problems and the same troubles I mean David's a sinner and that's all I am I'm just a sinner I'm just I'm just sin and all sinners all believers have just one solution to all their problems. Just one solution to all their troubles and heartaches. You see, there's only one solution, just one remedy, just one refuge, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one thing needful. The one thing needful. Our Lord says here in John chapter 16, I'll just quote this to you. John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye, that in me you might have peace. John 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. In the world you shall have troubles and heartache. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thanks being to the true and living God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have this great comfort and cheer through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice, David says in verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice. And David says in another psalm, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. I called, and he heard my voice. Does the Lord hear the cry of his children? Does he hear the prayers of his people? Absolutely, because he ever lives to intercede for us, beloved. He hears the cry and groans of our heart prayers, and especially those that can't be uttered. Especially those that can't be uttered. Somebody was just trying to get in, get open, That. Yeah. You know, our prayers, beloved, for the most part... Uh, can't be uttered, they're just not uttered. Uh, I'm so thankful that He sends His Spirit to bear witness with our spirit that we are His children, and that Spirit utters those things we, c- we can't even begin to utter. That's a comfort. I mean, uh, I know in this auditorium uh, we pray uh, publicly, and we hear our prayers audibly, but really aren't the majority of our prayers the, the silent heart cries and meditations of our heart. You see, the Lord looks on the heart, not on the outward countenance. He looks on the heart. Again, verse 1, Psalm 142. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication, my petition. I asked the Lord. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint, my trouble before Him. I showed before Him my trouble. Now, one thing we see here is how that these prayers of David were personal. They were personal. He says, I cried with my voice. I cried. I cried. Now, he may have asked others to pray for him, and I'm sure he did. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I've asked you to pray for me as your pastor, that the Lord would give me the wisdom and strength and grace to continue preaching the gospel of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there's nothing wrong with asking others to pray, and I'm sure David did that, but here what we see here in this portion before us is his heart cry before God. David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. You see, the prayer of a believer unto his Lord is something that's intimate, it's something that's personal. Last week in Psalm 141, verse 1, we saw there David praying, Lord, I cry unto thee, make haste unto me. Make haste unto me. You see those two words there, thee and me. I cried, David said. I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto the Lord Jehovah Almighty. You see, we don't pray unto angels. We don't pray unto men. Rather, we pray unto the true and living God. What a privilege God's given us to take every trouble and care we have to him in prayer. To take every heartache to him that careth for us. What a privilege we have, beloved, to carry every burden to the Lord. I cried unto him, unto him that's the God of all the universe. And beloved child of God, he hears the cry of his people. Make no mistake about it. He hears the cry of his people. Now, true prayers may differ in their expression and in their language, but not in their direction. For we look unto the Lord. We read in Psalm 121, verse 1, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. My help comes from the sovereign creator of all things. I look unto him. And then in Psalm 142, verse 2, notice this. I poured out my complaint before him. I unburdened my heart and just poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Now, the word complaint here can also be rendered meditation. I poured out the meditation, the trouble of my heart before Him. Now, turn to Psalm 102. Now we've seen this many times, but let's look here at one reference in Psalm 102, verse 1. Notice the title there. It reads, A Prayer for the Afflicted. A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed. A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. Verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call, Answer in in the day when I call, answer me speedily. Verse 3, For my days are consumed like smoke, And my bones are burned as in the hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. I cried unto the Lord. I poured out my complaint before him in the day of trouble. We read in Philippians 4, verse 6, the apostle writing there, Beloved, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Cry unto the Lord and do, don't be anxious. Rather, wait upon the Lord. Cry unto him and wait upon the Lord. And again, I say, wait. Just wait. You see, we may complain to God, um, but not about him. We may complain to God, but beloved, not about him. And so when we complain uh, further, it should not be before man, but before God alone. Our complaint should not be before men, but before God alone. And so, beloved, we may complain to God, but not about or of Him. And so when we do complain, let it not be done before men, but rather unto, unto and before the true and living God alone. Now that's our aim, beloved. That's how we ought to pray. But how many times do we catch ourselves complaining to one another? How many times do we find ourselves doing that? far too often, and I'm just as guilty as you are, beloved. Nevertheless, we should endeavor to never complain before men, but rather we should strive to pour out the complaints and troubles to none other but the Lord. Now, while I know that's a tall order, yet that's what I want to do. And yes, that's not what I do. I don't see myself doing that. I see myself complaining far often than I care to admit. But nevertheless, that's what I want to do. I want to pour my complaint before him, not unto men, but rather unto the Lord. We read in Psalm 62, verse 7. Psalm 62, verse 7. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. Unburden your heart before him, beloved. Don't unburden your heart before men. Don't complain before men. Unburden your complaint before the Lord. And not about him, but to him. Unburden your heart before him. And, and, and beloved, he knows it anyway. <laughs> He knows your burdens before you say a word. So don't hold back. Let it out before him. Pour out your heart before before him. For God is a refuge for us. God is a refuge for us, beloved. Pour out your complaint unto the Lord. Now look at verse 3. Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit... When my heart, my mind, when my affliction was overwhelmed within me, then thou, O Lord, knewest my path. Now, this is our confession. The Lord knows the way wherein I walked. In the way wherein I walked have they privily, they have secretly laid a snare for me. When David was overwhelmed, and that word can be rendered faint, weak, feeble, when David was overwhelmed his comfort and hope was in the blessed fact that the sovereign sovereign omniscient Lord knew all things. The Lord knew the situation he was in. He knew what was going on. The Lord knew all about it. We read in Psalm 139 verse 1. O Lord thou hast searched me. Thou hast taught me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts Afar off, thou compass my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways, for there's not a word in my tongue. But lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. My heart cries before I utter them. And in Psalm 37, verse 23, it says there, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. God delighteth in his way, for thou, Lord, knowest my path in the way wherein I walked. The Lord knew how David walked in this way, this walk, in the spirit of being utterly and completely overwhelmed. In trouble, and heartache, and walking in this place, hiding from those who were one time his friend. At one time, his family. Did those troubles happen to David by accident? Was that just bad luck? Was that just happenstance or chance? Well, that's not it. For you see, the steps of a good man are ordained of God, and he's walking the exact path that God ordained for him to walk, and that from all eternity. You see, God decreed for him to walk upon that path, and the Lord our God is our great guardian from unseen dangers. Notice it says they're mine enemies. They've privily, they've secretly laid snares for me. But what of it? For the Lord our God is our great guardian of unseen dangers and snares laid secretly for us. He it is that will keep us in the way, beloved. Indeed, we're kept by the power of God through all those dangers. And sometimes we're unaware of them, and other times we're aware of them. But for the most part, beloved, we're unaware of all the dangers that lurk about us. But nevertheless, the Lord keeps us. I mean, I can look back over my life, just as you can, beloved. You can look back over your life in the rearview mirror of 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 the past, and I see before I knew Him, and before I believed the gospel, He's uh, He's kept me. He's kept me, and he continues to keep me. You see, before I heard the gospel of my salvation, he knew me, and he watched over me. And uh, the old writers call that prevenient grace, that is, grace before grace. You see, he ever keeps his eye upon his people. Uh, in First Peter chapter one, that verse five. In the context, it's speaking about the elect of God. And what a blessing to read here about God's faithful son, His the, the Savior he sent into the world to save sinners. He shall not fail, and whatsoever he does prospers. I mean, just to take a moment, beloved, and consider that uh, when you look at creation, I don't know, the guys on the radio, they never want to call it creation, do they? They always want to call it nature. <laughs> It's creation, beloved. But when you look at the stars, the sun, the moon, the tree outside, and just the power that it took for God to create everything that we can see, uh, Scripture says he created that with his fingers. <laughs> but to keep us, to redeem us, he had to roll up his strong arm, and that's just a picture of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, we see his son mentioned in this verse, First Peter chapter 1, verse 5, Beloved, we're kept by the power of God through faith. You can you can substitute that word faith for Christ. <laughs> beloved, we're kept through God's faithful, upright, never failing Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, why does it say ready, beloved? Because <laughs> he saves us to the uttermost. We're not almost saved by the blood and righteousness of Christ. He's saved us utterly and completely to the uttermost. What a comfort. I could just end the message right there, and you could meditate on that the whole day. <laughs> oh, what a comfort to know that all those that the Father has given to him to save. What, what did he say? All that the Father has given to me shall come to me. And all who come to me I will in no wise cast out. In no wise. I'll tell you who comes to him. Needy sinners, those who know that they are naked, that they're broke, that they're bankrupt, that they have no... Not, not a thing to commend them to the grace of God. They only have... Um, I was thinking about the, the song we sang. Um, I can't remember the stanza exactly, but it was just, if I've loved you, And uh, we know a little bit about that, do we not? In this body of death, we carry around with us this cadaver of no good thing. But, oh, what a blessed day it will be when we're in his presence. (laughs) If ever I have loved the Lord, it's now. (laughs) And I can't grasp how it says we shall see him face to face. Can you? In this body of death, all I bring to mind is myself face planted before his 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 glory his perfection and just kissing his feet <laughs> but what a great savior we have for great sinners now back to our portion here beloved it is his will that keeps us in the way the truth of life in the way indeed we're kept by the power of god for all those dangers Sometimes we're unaware of them, and sometimes we're we're very aware of them. but uh, it makes one think about what our brother Newton wrote and that stanza. Um, sometimes we people can sing you know amazing grace their whole life and not know the first thing about grace. But when we see how the Lord our God reigneth over all things, John Newton, our brother, writes through many dangers. Toils and snare, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Beloved, He'll keep you to tomorrow, and if He's not pleased to keep you to tomorrow, He'll keep you to glory. (laughs) But either way, He's keeping us. He's keeping us. All right, look at verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4. I looked on my right hand. I I looked about me. And beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge from among men failed me. No man cared for my soul. Turn back to Psalm 69 and look there at verse 20. Psalm sixty-nine, twenty, And this speaks of the greater David, our great king. Our Lord experienced this when all of his disciples forsook him and fled. Psalm 69, verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I look for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. No man was there to help me. There was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Now David at this time, he had known many, but none would know him, and one time, Many sang his praises, and Saul had played his thousands, and David had slain his ten thousand, Saul had slain his, his thousands, and David had slain his ten thousands. and many at one time sang his praises when he killed the Philistine giant Goliath. They once spoke well of David, but now all forsook him, and no one befriended him. How much better it is to be forsaken by foes, beloved, rather than by your so-called friends? Yet that's exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. We read in Psalm 41, verse 9, and while this speaks of David's experience, what we see here, this speaks prophetically of the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 41, verse 9, Yea, mine own familiar friend, whom I trusted, and whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And this is speaking about the betrayer, Judas Iscariot. And this is in Mark 14, verse 50, how that they all forsook him. All forsook him. They all fled. Remember what Peter said? Lord, while these other fellows here may cut and run, but not me, I'll give my life for you. And Peter was the first one to forsake him. And he fled the scene. And then he slinks back into the crowd and says, I don't know the man. He swore, I don't know him. I don't know that man from Nazareth. Well, we can be assured of this, beloved. The Lord will never leave us. David was forsaken by all of his friends, but he wasn't forsaken of the Lord. And so we can rest assured of this, how that the Lord will never forsake us, beloved. He'll never leave us, and he never has. And in Matthew 28, he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Now look at verse 5, When Psalm 142. Verse five. But I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, I I, I confessed, and, and beloved, this is our confession. Thou, O Lord, art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You see, beloved, it, it's it's not just that we have a refuge provided for us. That's that's true. We do have a refuge provided for us. But that's not it. You see, the refuge provided for us is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he is our hiding place. In him we have a shelter in the time of storm, for the Lord himself is our refuge, and the Lord himself, beloved, is our portion. And certainly this is true in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, is it not? He is our refuge now, and he is our shelter from the storm. We read in Psalm 46, Psalm 46, Verse verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You in trouble, beloved? You in trouble, sinner? God is our refuge and strength, and very present help in trouble. Beloved, in every trouble, God is our refuge and strength, and very present help in trouble. And that's in all times, and at all times. God is a refuge for us. Now look at uh, Psalm ninety-one. Uh, it just so happens in this country and in Canada, if there's an emergency, you dial nine-one-one. Well, let's let's dial nine-one-one together. Turn to Psalm ninety-one, and I'll begin reading at verse one. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. You see He is not part of our refuge or some of our refuge, rather He is all of our refuge, all of our hiding place, and that's in Christ. My friend, Christ is all and in all, and He's not only our refuge look at the latter part of verse five back in our portion back in Psalm 142. Thou art my refuge, and thou, O Lord, art my portion. He's my refuge, and he's my portion. Right now, beloved, we have a refuge. Right now, we have a portion. And right now, in the land of the living, right now, he's our refuge. Right now, he's our portion. Now, this word portion can also be rendered inheritance. You see, beloved, he's our inheritance, both now and forever. For He gives us all grace now and all glory forever. You see, beloved, we have an incorruptible eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus, our Lord, being made heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Look at uh, Psalm 73 with me. Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart faileth. All flesh is grass. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength, the refuge of my heart and my portion forever. Forever He's my portion. Forever He's my inheritance. Forever He's my refuge. I look back at our text uh, there in Psalm 142. Look there with me in verse 6. Attend unto my cry. Attend unto my cry, O Lord. And notice he keeps saying this over and over again. I cried unto the Lord. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. I'm brought very low. I'm brought into the dust. And you know, beloved, that's a good thing. That's a blessed thing to be put down into the dust. My friend, that's the very best place to be, in the dust. My friend, make your headquarters in the dust. That's where grace and mercy is to be found. For you see, it's a good thing to be brought down. And you know why? Well, because the Scripture set forth, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Those whom he whittles down into the dust, he brings them up again. Who brought David to this place of desolation? Who brought David to this low point? Who brought David to this place in the cave where he cries out of the depths? Turn back to Psalm 130. 130. Verse 1. Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. And so I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. That's my hope. And so who is it that brought David to this place of desolation? Who brought him to the depths where he was overwhelmed in his spirit and brought so very low? Well, it was David's Lord that brought him down. That's who. You see, the Lord knows exactly what David needed. And, beloved, when the Lord brings us down, he does that to convict us of our sin and to show us what we are and why we need Christ Jesus the Lord, his darling son. Last week, we read in Psalm 141, Verse 7, our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, as when one cutteth and cleaveth wood upon the earth. But mine eyes are unto thee. You've put me into the dust, Lord, yet my eyes are unto thee. O God the Lord, for in thee is my trust. Leave not my soul destitute. Leave not my soul destitute. Don't leave me to myself. Don't leave me to my own thoughts. And the Lord knows how to stir up and how to clothe us. Rather, the Lord knows how to strip us, show us to ourselves in the light of Christ that we have nothing, nothing whatsoever to commend ourselves to God, that we're broke, that we're bankrupt, and we have nothing. And then when he shows us that, he clothes us in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, In the midweek uh, meeting we had this past Wednesday I was speaking to a, a young lady named Rachel and she was talking about uh, a verse that they heard uh, at their wedding and I was so uh, comforted by the verse because it, it's it's the gospel uh, it's in uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and and don't miss on, on, on don't miss this beloved we didn't clothe our clothe ourselves beloved <laughs> he clothed us He clothed us. And it says in Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. How come? (laughs) For he hath clothed me. He clothed us, beloved, in the righteousness of his Son, in this verse it says, For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as with and, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. And that, that gospel is all throughout the Scripture, beloved. In Genesis chapter 3, we read the same thing. It says there in verse 21, And unto Adam... Also, and his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins? Does it say, and he laid it out on a rock, and say, okay, now you put it on? Is that what you read there? Not at all. It says, the Lord God make made made make, uh, made coats of skins and clothed them. Those coats of skin speak of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ of our. The, our substitute, beloved, the sinner's substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, that with his precious blood we are washed throughly and completely of all our sins. Well, that's half a gospel. I want to hear the other half? <laughs> and the Lord God Almighty clothed them. It speaks about the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness that has reconciled us to God, the righteousness. What, what, what do we read in Second Corinthians 5, verse 21? It speaks there of our Heavenly Father, how our Heavenly Father made his well-pleasing darling son to be sin for us who knew no sin. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't have any sins of his own yet he was made to be made to be our sins that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ that we might be clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The righteousness that he established on the earth as a real man on behalf of his people. Don't leave me to myself And the Lord doesn't, beloved. He strips us of that filthy rag and clothes us in the righteousness of His Son. Does He not? The Lord knows how to bring us down, and when He does, He knows how to bring us up. He knows how to empty us, and when He empties us, beloved, of any hope in ourselves, He fills us with the sure hope of His Son. Again, verse 6. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Now, who is the deliverer? Remember Psalm 140, verse 1? Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man. Deliver me, O Lord. You see, the Lord is not only our refuge. Not only is our portion, but so so too, beloved, He's our deliverer as well. We read in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 26. The Apostle Paul writing there. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And so all Israel, all spiritual Israel, God's elect amongst the Jews, God's elect amongst the Gentiles, shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. You see, beloved, he's our deliverer. And he does deliver us. And that word deliver can also be rendered defend, preserve, recover, and rescue. I mean, that's there's a whole outline of a sermon right there, just in one word. Deliver, Because, beloved, He does defend us, He does preserve us, He does recover us, He does rescue us. He rescues us from the fall of Adam, from Adam's sin, and by His grace He rescues us from our total depravity. And so, too, He rescues us from these strong persecutors that are stronger than I. Who are these strong persecutors that are stronger than I? Well, spiritually speaking, it's our sin. It's our sin. And so who can deliver us from our sin? My friend, can you do anything about making atonement for your sin? Can you do anything to make atonement for your sin? Absolutely not. None of us can. I'm helpless. I can't put away one sin. I can't stop from sinning. In fact, a believer knows he cannot sin. Believers know this about themselves that they cannot sin, that they can't stop sinning. There's sin in my prayers, there's sin in my preaching. there's sin in my best gesture to help someone on the side of the road. It's all mixed up with this carcass of death that I carry around with me That's why I'm not looking within this flesh for God to do a work. I look out of myself to the work that was finished in the flesh of the Son of God. What do we read in First John or John chapter one rather it says there. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them to believe on his name, which were born not of blood. We're not looking to our blood relations. We're looking to the blood of the Son of God, nor of the will of the flesh. We're not We're not trusting in our will, Not not this flesh. We trust in the will of God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, this is the will of the Father, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day nor the will of man. Beloved, we're just resting and trusting by His undeserved grace and mercy in the gospel, in the will of the Lord. And I just delight. I never get tired of it. He said that all that the Father has given to me shall come to me, and all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. The Father gave Him commandment, beloved, to come into this world to save sinners, and He shall save His people from their sins. Notice here, being born from above of God. Of God. And so who can deliver us from our sin? Only the deliverer that God sent into the world to save sinners. You see, the Lord Jesus, He appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. And so who are these strong persecutors? How about the law of God that's against us, that's contrary to us? You... you. you, you you can't honor the, the, the law. Can you honor the law? Can you honor the, the precept and penalty of it? Can you satisfy God's demand that his law be kept perfectly? Well, not in of myself, that's for sure. But, beloved, we do magnify and honor the law in Christ Jesus. Now, look what it says in Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42, and verse 21, it says there, uh, The Lord is well pleased. Our Heavenly Father is well pleased for His righteousness sake, for, for His Son's righteousness sake. The voice from the cloud said, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. And our Heavenly Father is well pleased for His righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. And, beloved, he has on behalf of his people. You know, the law of God needs to be kept. But we don't keep it. Our Lord and God, Jesus Christ, he kept it for us, beloved. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free and be not entangled again with that yoke of bondage. He has set us free. He's all our justification. He's all our sanctification. He's all our pardon. For all our sins, and He's all our our performance of the law of God. He's our perfection, and He's our pardon. You see, beloved, He redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. As it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. And cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The Lord Jesus Christ redeemed us from the curse, Beloved. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, from the curse of these persecutors that have a lot to say against us. You see, the law of God has a right to persecute us. How come? Well, because we're guilty before God. Left to ourselves, we're utterly and completely guilty. But here's the good news. The Lord Jesus Christ satisfied God's law on your behalf, on our behalf, beloved. You see, by his doing and dying on our behalf, he satisfied the Father. And yes, Satan is a strong persecutor, But here's the thing. The Lord took care of him. For he went forth conquering and to conquer. You see, beloved, he defeated all of our enemies. All of them. Sin, the law, death, Satan himself. And speaking of of death, um, try to overcome that one, my friend. (laughs) You you think you're going to overcome death? That you're going to try and do that yourself? Our Lord said, because I live... Because I live, beloved, you shall live. I'm he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. You see, all these persecutors, the law, sin, Satan, death, they're stronger than I. That's what our brother David said, and we say it with him. They're stronger than I. And so I need a deliverer. I need a strong deliverer, don't you? My friend, do you not see your need of Christ, our refuge? Do you not see your need of Christ, our portion, of Christ, the deliverer of sinners? Do you not see your desperate need? Now, uh, as we conclude here, let's look at uh, verse 7. Verse 7 of Psalm 142. Lord, bring my soul out of prison. Lord, deliver me that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. David says in Psalm 18, verse 3, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He says in Psalm 40, verse 17, I am poor and needy, yet you, O Lord, thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. He says in Psalm 70, verse 5, I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. And Psalm 144, verse 2, he says, My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust is the Lord my strength. What a blessing we behold here in verse 7 about the Lord our deliverer. Lord, bring my soul out of prison. You see, that's where we are by nature, in prison, the prison of sin and the prison of unbelief. And so, Lord, bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. Thy righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Lord, bring my soul out of prison. And, beloved, that's exactly what the Deliverer does. Christ is our Deliverer. So stand fast, beloved. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free. You see, he came to set the captives free. As he declared in his hometown synagogue, in Luke chapter 4, When he had read that portion from Isaiah chapter 61, you see, beloved, we are in such a prison of sin, both to its bondage and guilt and the judgment of God. And my friend, only God himself can deliver us. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can deliver a sinner like you and a sinner like me. And he makes us, his people, trophies of his grace. And when that happens, you know what he does? He brings my soul out of prison out of the prison house of sin and iniquity? And should he do that for you, beloved? Should he do that for me? As he has done that for me, I'll praise your name. I'll give you all the honor and glory for everything you've done because you're my portion. You're my song. You're my my deliverer and my refuge. Turn to Psalm 34, if you would. Psalm thirty-four, and look at what we see here. He, when he does bring me out of the prison of my unbelief and sin, when he does bring me out of the prison of my unbelief and sin, notice it's not that I helped the Lord, you know, like he did his part and I did mine, like we had an agreement about this and I cooperated together with God, and because of of that I had deliverance. That's that's not it. Rather, the deliverance found in the Word of God is how that He does all the delivering. He does all of it. You see, beloved, He delivers us from sin and its bondage and guilt, and He gives us salvation by His grace. All of His people, just like Noah. Though we sometimes feel like we're cast out of the Lord's sight, yet we say, I will look again. May He grant all of us this morning to look again toward His holy temple. I will look again to Christ, for salvation is of the Lord. You see, beloved, we're looking to the captain of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith. And in Psalm 34, we read there, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof thereof and be glad. Beloved, let us exalt the name of the Lord together. Let us exalt his name Turn over to Psalm 40. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Psalm 40, verse 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. We attribute all glory, all honor, all thanks, all attribution for our salvation to the Lord alone look at uh, verse 1 of psalm 40 i waited patiently for the lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings verse 3 and he hath put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our god many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the lord Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. For if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. You see, he brought me up. He set me up, and he turned me and put a new song of praise in my heart. Beloved, when we're delivered by God's sovereign grace, when he delivers us out of the power of darkness, he translates us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And when he delivers us by his grace given to us in Christ, we rightfully and quickly give him all the honor and all the glory. Do we not? Again, in the latter part of verse 7, of our portion. The righteous shall compass me about, for the Lord our righteousness shall surround us with his presence. You see, beloved, we're enveloped in his love that deals so graciously with us in mercy and bountifully blesses us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus our Lord. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Bountifully. My friend, the Lord doesn't deal with us as some miser, Rather, he deals with us so bountifully. You see, by God's grace, we see here in this psalm and in every psalm, the message of the gospel to his people. And it's a message that deals with us bountifully in grace and mercy. Do you not see it? Beloved, the Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our portion. The Lord is our deliverer, the very one who delivers us from the prison of our sin. Indeed, from that tomb of unbelief. We come out of that tomb of unbelief like Lazarus. (laughs) And uh, you speak to a Lazarus that's been commanded to come out of his tomb of unbelief. You ask him, what happened? He doesn't know much. All he knows is that he hears the voice of God's Son. (laughs) I hear his voice. The Lord Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. The Lord... Is our righteousness, beloved. The gospel is in every chapter of God's Word, and we don't have eyes to see that until the Lord is pleased to show it to us. Nevertheless, the gospel is all the way through the Word of God. The gospel is all the way through the Psalms, and we only know it because of God's grace to us. We only know that by God's grace. I was talking to uh, the man in the preacher's class on Monday, a couple of Mondays ago, And it's interesting, you'll talk to people that have uh, a Bible in their hand and uh, they're they're a professing Christian and and you show them a verse like we read in Colossians, we'll conclude with this, in Colossians chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 8, it says, "...Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ." For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the God bodily, and ye are complete in him. Complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Complete pardon through his blood. Complete righteousness through his doing and dying, which is the head of all principality and power. And somebody might hear someone say, well, that's obvious or that's clear. It's not obvious, beloved. It's not clear unless God teaches us, unless God reveals that to us. By his grace, we read that, And his people read that and and we rest, knowing that he is all of our salvation, not some of it. That truly we are complete in him and lack absolutely nothing in him. Complete and full pardon of all our sins and a righteousness, perfect righteousness acceptable to the Father that we don't have anything to do with. Our Lord tells us, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Bring my soul out of prison, O Lord, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. And he has, beloved. He has. Amen.